friends, how are you? How are you getting on? My name is Colm and this is Sober Mess Podcast and you're very welcome. Absolutely chuffed and delighted to have me go pal Sean Canine on the podcast. Sean is from My Health Matters. He specialises in metabolic testing and VO2 testing here in Dublin and he's someone that I've followed for a long, long time and he is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to fitness, performance, nutrition and just utilising the body to get to your fitness goals. So I'm absolutely honoured to have him here on the podcast for the chat. So Sean, how are you, man? I'm good, my man. I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. It's Friday. Fridays are good days. Everybody's happier on a Friday. So what what do you kind of health health mad lads do on a, on a weekend usually? How do you how do you let uh, I work. Um, <laughs> I always work a Saturday. Always, always, always. Um we unfortunately have to work when people don't work. So okay. Saturday. I really enjoy a Saturday. Really, really enjoy it. It's a different mindset, different mentality. People are in a different I just feel people are happier on a Saturday, even the buzz. So we're based up in West Park and Tala and the buzz in the gym is just different than it is during the week. So I'll always work a Saturday. I'm in Dublin. I was away during the week. So we're in Dublin for the weekends testing. I'll be off on Sunday, but um, full day tomorrow. Okay. Well, tell us what, what, what would your job entail? What type of tests do you do? And what type of clients do you get in? So as you gave us the, at the start there, so we run a metabolic and VO2 testing service and I've done it for 12 years. So I have seen everybody, anybody and everybody that wants to avail of any kind of information that's physiologically unique to them. So we provide a service that would have been in the past only available to kind of top end professional athletes or done in universities at a very time consuming and expensive cost. So I kind of brought it to Ireland 12 years ago, April 2011. I set the company up. So it's been um, it's been a been a good journey so we test anyone really so the services are different in one sense but they're very very relatable because it's all about performance optimization which can be in sport which can be in life which can be in weight which can be in physical performance in regards to energy in your job whatever it might be so a metabolic test is measuring quantity of energy expenditure in a 24-hour period and vo2 analysis is looking at performance there's a lot of closely related studies done on vo2 from a health perspective we analyze lung function we analyze heart rate and the way the two of them would link in together would be vo2 testing will give us calorie expenditure during exercise or metabolic testing will give us calorie expenditure in a state of rest that's interesting so would these tests benefit anyone or is it just elite athletes oh no absolutely like again this is where we differentiate them yes vo2 is more focused to performance well, metabolic analysis could be more focused to those looking to change body weight. So losing weight, gaining weight, or getting a handle, handle on energy demands. But over the last, maybe pre or post-COVID, I've noticed an uptake in people coming in just to get health markers in regards to VO2. And like use the studies that are out now, VO2 is a very, very good health marker. And you're graded when you do a VO2 test. And if you change your score from a low category, or sorry, from a very low category to a low category, you've added five years onto your life. Okay, so Jesus. little things like that. So if you get someone in that's at their lowest level and they want to improve their health, we get you physiologically tested. We've all your markers at that point, let's say 30 to September 2022. And we you then embark on a fitness or a health journey. We can then analyze your progress and using that scale as a VO2 number to increase health. 
So if you increase your VO2, you increase or decrease the chances of mortality. So there is definitely a significant quantity or an increase in clients at the moment that are coming in more health-related than performance-related, although the bulk of our clients would be performance without doubt. Wow, that's fascinating. So like if I came in low on the scale, like what, what tips would you give me to improve that? So again, a lot of it is going to be individual. Um, and anyone that follows me will see that I constantly speak about individuality. I'm always asked about averages. I'm always asked about what, what about this? What should I be getting? What, what should I weigh? There, there's, no, there's no one way to skin a cat in regards to, like, we shouldn't have any specific parameter for one individual. So what I'd look at is you that day. So what is your goal? What is your weight? What is your training history? And what's the focus and what's the attention to detail going forward? So let's use the example you've come in and you just want to get healthier and get fitter, drop a bit of weight. So we need to look at what way you're eating, what your protein content like, what your training regime is like, and trying to describe the journey to you where we don't want you to reinvent the wheel. We want you to kind of aim small big large quantity of small wins will accumulate in a big win so we don't want you to be going i want to drop three stone next week and i want to run a 25 minute mm-hmm. 5k we want you to look at the journey and understand that it's taken you 35 years to get to where you are today it's not going to happen overnight so again that individuality approach of how we cater to your journey is what makes my company successful no two people are the same so like everybody's that. data is different and the resulting advice is going to be different based on numerous different factors yeah that, that's so true man because it is that thing sometimes we can go down these very drastic roads you know and like say we do like the, the mad juice diet or the, the mad intermittent fasting and just really under eating and, and not planishing our bodies and and then we look at it's short-term drastic results but it's not sustainable it doesn't last very long it's not sustainable and sustainability is key. Like you need commitment to start but consistency to finish. And if there's not consistency in your approach to training or to eating, and if it's going to not be attainable long-term, it's not going to be successful. And that's the, like you said, drastic diets where you're fed 700 calories and you don't have the energy to play with your kids. You don't have the energy to go out and exercise. Your mood is poor. Your sex drives on the floor, whatever it might be. You have to look at, the contributing factors to what's going to make you happy and sustainable to continue in what your goal is. So that's where we want you to be fed and watered and feel like you have the energy to perform and understand the concepts of less is more, Mm. train easy to train hard and identify success in how you feel, how you look, how your sleep is, how your mood is, rather than just looking at a scale and going, well, that hasn't moved. It's such a poor indicator of success. Yeah, no, that's so true. And what I what I found really helped me in my fitness journey was to bring an element of fun and joy into it. You know what I mean? That it wasn't like a you know this punishment that I have to go out and not eat and, and run till I'm I'm sore. You know, where I started doing things I actually enjoyed, like you know, where I started hiking, you know, running in a like a running club and a triathlon club. Like that was way down the line. But like when I first started on my fitness journey, you know, like. Well, I was nearly 20 stone a couple of years ago, you know what I mean? When I, like when I first gave up the drink and I found that, uh, you know, when I started to kind of, you know, hang around with clubs where it was a community as well as fitness. So we all had like a positive goal, but it was a com- the great community element to it. So I, I didn't see it just as oh, I'm going to get fit, I'm going to get 
I lose weight, you know what I mean? It was more going meeting up with a few pals and we're having a chat, we're going for a hike or we're going for a run. And I think um, when you bring like a community element into your fitness, you know, you have that support structure and it helps so much. And when you have other people on like a common goal, it, it always like, helps that that much more where whereas i found before like um you know when i, I tried to lose weight you know drastically you know that it just i'd end up burning out and then i'd start binge eating and then i'd feel be full of shame and then i'd you know then i'd overtrain and then i'd burn out and i'd binge and just caught in this vicious cycle you know what i mean where i found that when i tried to get a balance between intensity and consistency that's the magic thing where you can go be you can be too much intensity and burn out and not enough consistency where i think it's if you can have a consistent level of intensity that's that's the dream when you're not too intense and you're not like too inconsistent you're just somewhere in the middle like you know yeah like the prime example is people eat as little as they can and try and exercise as hard as they can Sure, that's <laughs> like driving a car in second gear and not putting any petrol into it. Mm. Like it's it's just not going to work. It just simply won't work. And that's the whole concept of my approach of train easy to train hard, understanding that some sessions should be very, very easy to be achieved. Because if you're constantly pushing, use your 5K as an example. If someone wants to go out and every time they train, they race their 5K and their times don't change, they stagnate, they're more susceptible to injury, cramp, fatigue, recovery is poor, mood is poor, they're stressed and they don't enjoy it. It's never going to work. So if you go and go, I'm going to go and get fit now and I'm going to only eat cod and asparagus and I'm going to train every day at six in the morning. If that doesn't complement your life, it's not going to work. So a big advice is never reinvent the wheel look at the small steps each day that we can get you to find something as you said that you enjoy that complements your life that brings happiness to you that you don't look at it as a slog and then it will be sustainable and then it's about creating that habit and once that habit's in place it becomes as part of your life mm, yeah that's so true well it is the man it's a habit that's the key word is, is to develop it as a habit, you know what I mean? Where it's not like I will, I won't, or, you know, it's just a normal part of routine. And I think if you were to like, you know, dismantle successful people, they're built on their habits, you know, if they're like, if everyone has the good habits and bad habits. But if you're like, if you were to have a look at your habits, what you do on a regular basis, like that's, that's what makes people like you're talking about working on a Saturday, you know, you're talking about, you know, the, the, the work that you do and you obviously have a mindset and really good habits in place that sustains your levels of level of success. Like, Oh, look, absolutely. Habits for me are for absolutely a key in success in, in, in all aspects and all journeys of, of life, be it business, be it personal, be it training regime, because we are creatures of habit at the end of the day. Mm, yeah, and 100%. If, if what? we create a habit that we enjoy, it's going to be a lot easier to stick to. Look, I, I know you're a, bit, you're a big fan of running yourself. Look, what, what's like a normal day for Sean? Like, what's your kind of morning routine and how do you stay kind of motivated and driven? Well, today, today, Friday is a good day. So uh, I train a half six on a Friday morning. Uh, I train Muay Thai. Wow. So um, it's something that's Muay Thai. I've been doing Muay Thai for 15 years, in and out of it. Um, I've got a great relationship with Shane Mullen, who's a striking coach, and he's just returned back from Dubai and he set up down an SBG in HQ there the long mile road and Class. I would always do one-to-ones with Shane and this is the slot so Friday morning in for a depending on how he's feeling I, I see Mr McGregor was there last night apparently 
I don't know. He wasn't there this morning. Anyway. Oh, all right. It was someone <laughs> uh, on Instagram. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. You never know when them videos are posted from. Yeah, fair. Recorded from. But uh, yeah, like, let's take Friday out of it. Generally, I, I'm self-employed. I work a lot. I work a lot late evenings. One thing, memory I always have growing up is that my dad always brought us to school. Right. So I always said I wanted that because he might be working late. He might be working weekends where he wouldn't necessarily be there to pick us up from school or do homework with us or anything. So I said, look, I always want to have that journey. So I'm the one that drops the kids to school. I don't start till 10 a.m. I cherish that time with the kids in the morning, getting them dressed, get them fed, get myself fed and into work starting at 10 o'clock. So first couple of appointments, whatever way the day could be, 10, 11, 12, 1, there'll always be time for Sean to train. Like I do a 12-hour day, but within a 12-hour day, there's going to be two hours for me. And two hours for me is quality training, quality eating, where I'm not on the phone, I'm not on emails. Being self-employed and working the high volume of hours that I do, I can literally work every hour under the sun if, if, I, if, I, if I did. Like if I'm working late, I go home, get on the laptop. It can be draining. Now, it doesn't drain me. I'm happy in my work. I really enjoy what I do. This is the, the cost of success in regards to my drive to be consistently at a different level. Like I'm the busiest I've ever been. I've just taken someone on that we're going to chase work for the first time in my whole career. Like I should be busier. My company should be more successful. And I have that drive to always do it. So a day in the life of Sean is incredibly busy, but it never gets me down. I thoroughly enjoy what I do. I thoroughly enjoy the environment I'm in. And I thoroughly enjoy every aspect of what a day will look like. However, every day is different. I don't know who's coming in the door. Well, I do because they're booked in with me. But every client's goal is different. Every person coming in the door is having a different physiology. And my application of detail to their individuality is going to have a different journey for them. Like when we finish this podcast today, I have someone coming in uh, for a metabolic test with nutritional consultation. So her goal is to lose weight. I have a guy coming in at four o'clock today who's struggling to gain weight, as an example. So the journey of clientele will be different. I did a VO2 test this morning on one of the KyoFit members, and he increased his aerobic base by 22 beats which is phenomenal because he bought into the processes he tested with me in may myself and mick his coach gave him the journey that we needed him to be on and he got a massive success in his profile adaptation so there's wins for me every day in a day in the life of sean and i take great pleasure in seeing the success of my clients that's class man so it's it's so there's something different every day and it's something that you passionately love yeah, and it's funny, like, tough. naturally people say to me, Jay, do you just do the same thing every day? And I'm like, well, every job is the same thing every day. I'm in a very privileged position that every single hour there's a new human being in front of me that is going to present different conversations, different feelings, different responses, different ways that I need to coach the client if they're really nervous, if they're really open. You know, like, I'm very, very open as a person, but I'm very, very professional and experienced in reading people when they come in because I've done it for so long. I've, I've done over 15,000 individual clients at this point. Like I, I know this stuff inside out and every client is, is a challenge. Every client is a journey, but it's, it's very, very enjoyable in what I do. So yeah, absolutely. Every day is new. Everything is a different day for me. I could do bike tests. I could do road tests. I could do run tests. I could do anthropometry, which is body fat analysis. And something that I'm working a lot lately in is nutritional therapy where I'm looking at digestive health, people with chronic digestive issues for 20 years, people with reproductive issues, females that have lost their cycle. Like these rewards for me are massive. Two clients in the last six months 
had lost their cycle and have fallen pregnant since working with me, having gone from not having a cycle to being pregnant, like to me, that is an unbelievable feeling of success, you know? So there's so many different strings to my bow in one sense, but, and that's why I enjoy, I think what I do so much, I could be public speaking, I could be lecturing, I could be working with a client that has chronic bloating for 20 years or have someone that wants to run a 14 minute 5k professional athletes, you know, things like that. So, Man, it's that's cool, that's enjoyable. That's class, and there's like so much going on. And I love the way that your your values of dropping the kids to school are always there. Like no matter what, that's the that's yeah, the priority. Unfortunately, when I'm working away, I can't do that. And a big shout out to my dad, who would who would always fall back in and give us a hand on these the likes of this stuff. Or if my wife was able to do it from a working perspective, but yeah, the values like that. Thursdays, I try and take a Thursday afternoon off. My little fella does swimming Thursday, Friday evening. My little fella goes football. And then I'm trying to, which has been quite difficult because of the changing of staff and stuff lately, where I will take a complete afternoon off with the kids, both my daughter and son, and I'll bring them to SBG where I will train them at Muay Thai. Now, they're only four and six, you know, but it's creating the habits. Monkey see, monkey do. Um, it's something that is really enjoyable and one of the real big reasons I stuck with running was my little boy wanted to come out on a cycle he wanted a cycle when I ran and at the start I was like oh Jake you're gonna slow me down you know and then I went out and I braced it because that was my slow run Saturday morning rail hailer snow I wake Jake up at 7am and say all right buddy you ready to go for a run yep it's pissing rain you want to come out yep so he just put his jacket on get his wets on and we go through time and park through the summer months, just with the rabbits and the sun. Other months, it's going to be the ducks in the rain. Well, he doesn't care. So that association and that bond with him is special. Now my daughter's saying, can I come? And I'm like, well, look, you still have stabilizers on your bike. So when you get your stabilizers off your bike, then you can come with us. So it's that driving factor. And he is like, can we do 5K? Can we do 6K? Can we do 7K? He got up to 10K. And this little fellow's only five, you know? So that little win like that, absolutely. Like they're very important. For Man, that's, that's class. I love that. And it was like what we were saying earlier about habits and, you know, like kids are like sponges, you know what I mean? They, like they'll see what their parents are doing and they'll mimic them habits, like, you know, and they yeah. see you going out and running, they go, I want to do a bit of that, like, you know? Yeah, like even this morning, I rang, I rang the house on the way home from SBG and Jake answered the phone. He says, where are you, daddy? I says, oh, I've just been training with Shane. He's like, you went to SBG without me? I was like, yeah, <laughs> sorry, bud. I had to go to SBG without you. you know? And he, he, was, he wasn't too impressed. Yeah, Jesus, man, that's, that's class. But you even know, if you look, look at the nutrition side of things as well, like we are from a very young age, I wanted the kids eating fish, you know? Mm. So the two of them would happily share a packet of salmon or a tin of mackerel, you know, a lot of color in their diet um, in terms of, understanding the want behind it like my little girl would have chicken and peppers over chocolate and crisps you know any day of the week and again that's just habit now not for one second of my kids not allowed to have whatever they have but it's in moderation you know but i also have to have that foundation right where they have a really good base of diet or a good foundation mm. like since they've been able to eat porridge just being protein in their porridge i give the kids creatine in their porridge as well from oh, an awareness perspective Okay. My dad's 72. He is creatine every day. So right. like the, the circle of understanding the quality of nutrition in terms of what it will do for their life as well plays a big role in my life. Yeah, man, that's fascinating. Because yeah, look, 
uh, when, when I grew up, uh, my mom, like, you'd, you you see some of the dinners that we got as kids, man, you'd, you'd probably want the child line today, you know what I mean? They were, I had a microwave, mommy, like, you know, even even the Christmas turkey went in the microwave, and yeah. I, I think then I got to a certain age then where I, I got, like, when I done, when I done a health course and nutrition and sports science, I got so into, uh, I found out so much education around nutrition, Whereas it wasn't when you're a kid, it's like, oh, well, it, it's diet coke, surely it has to be good for you, or it's, it's low-fat chocolate, or it's like, you know, real processed stuff, but the label says it's healthy, so oh, it must be healthy, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it's and then you get to an age where you kind of, you learn, like, the the educational factor around nutrition. And I always find it bizarre that at this day and age that they're not teaching, like, basic nutrition in schools, like. Mind blowing. Um, I I do a schools program. I do um, I work in in schools, and I developed it many years ago. And it it was a lot busier than what it was now. Due to the nature of my business, I've kind of gone away from promoting it. But the biggest issue in this country at the moment is four to six class girls. Thirty percent of our kids in Ireland are obese. You know, so one of the things that I drive home and when I go into these schools to do activities is I need to do education with them. They need to understand fruit and vegetables, the role of protein, the role of hydration, the role, the role of water, what are vitamins, what are minerals, what are macron, micronutrients, mm. basic stuff, you know, like real basic stuff. And as you said, it's just not there. And it's not only not there in kids, probably once a week I say to myself, I'll have a job for life because of the fact of the failure to be aware of some very, very simple nutritional values that are, are, are not adhered to or not spoken about. But you are right. We do have an issue with kids and this like 30% of our kids are overweight or obese, which is a significant impact on health as they age. Mm. You know, so one in five or over one in five, you know. And and the sad thing is that it's, it's a very solvable problem. You know what Correct. I mean? Yeah, it's, absolutely. And even like the, the market, like you look at the market in, the, in, a, in a shop, you know, the nice shiny wrappers that are down low that the kids can reach for, you know what I mean? And it's 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 like yeah man and as well i think it's it's the habits of of parents and how we can kind of pass it on to kids and just it's just yeah it's basic knowledge like oh man when i was growing up like you're giving a big mountain of potato and butter and white but bread if you look at, yeah but probably but see like if you look and i don't know what age you are but like if i go back to to when when i was a kid yes there wasn't as much poor quality but you always had the basics you had vegetables you had meat, you might have had bigger portions of them, but it was all, there wasn't as much crap accessible. And you said it, you're right. Like it's cheaper to go into a shop and buy a chicken fillet roll with a can of Coke and a bag crisp than it is to buy a chicken sandwich, you know, and it is marketed the wrong way, but it's also like, and I, not that I'm getting, I often get criticized for my black and white approach. Criticize is probably the wrong word, but I believe, like you said, like a lot of this is solvable. Yes, there's picky eaters, but there's also, the time and place to be look we need you to eat this you're gonna have to eat this we need you to try different things and starting from a very young age is absolutely key so if anyone is listening to this that has young kids that aren't eating solids yet get them playing with the likes of peppers and carrots and potatoes let them hold it feel it touch it taste it you know what i mean if they don't like it that's fine but there will be something that they will click and you might have them eating mackerel you might have them eating broccoli and carrots but they don't eat asparagus and chicken that's fine but just give the variety there. Let have let them have the options with it at the start. You know, start mm. them young. I love that. So give give kids plenty of options on their plate. Oh yeah, but even if they're not eating it, like I remember, like my little boy won't touch peppers. My little girl absolutely loves them. But I would have done it the same way with them. Chop them up, let them play with it. 
put it on their plate, let them throw it off, let them play it on the ground. What does it feel like? What does it taste like? You know what I mean? How does the texture feel? That's the key to success and finding out how they can eat it. Like if you straight away say to someone about a tin of macro, like <laughs> tin of macro, and people are like, oh, no, you know, like this country, we just don't eat enough fish. And if you look at the benefits of fish from the omega-3, the good fatty acids, the high protein, you know, real natural source of good macro and micronutrients is going to be unbelievable for kids, not only for kids, for adults as well. But we just don't have it. We just don't use it. We just don't touch it. We stay away from it, you know. So as early as we can, getting them to touch and feel and taste textures of, of foods, fruits, veg is really important. So, so if you have a parent that comes to you and they're quite worried about their kids' uh, weight, what advice would you give to them? Weight for everybody is is a mathematical equation of calories in and calories out. What I try and do is educate them behind the calories that are in produce. So one thing I always speak about is better bad choices. So we can use a better bad choice in multiple different examples of a pack of Doritos to a pack of treble crunch. You've just saved yourself 170 calories. It's the same concept. If little Johnny wants to get a pack of crisps, well, give him a pack of treble crunch or give him a pack of snacker jacks. Let's go ice pops instead of ice creams. Let's substitute this for that. Let's look at giving them pots of jelly rather than chocolate bars because the caloric input is going to be lower. And then obviously the encouragement to move. So when we go into schools, we don't do any standard games we will you'll never see us do something that they can play with their uh, with that they're going to associate as a team sport we try to provide them with good fun games that they can play with their parents their brothers their sisters their cousins but it just involves them moving a lot of times and if you think about this four to six class girls they're in the stage of development they're very very conscious of their body they might want to run they might going to change in front of their peers that's the biggest area of drop off but if we can get them to move in some aspect of enjoyment and control to a degree the quantity of caloric input, weight will come down. It's physics, it's maths. There's there's no two ways about it. So it's about adherence to restriction of caloric input, but not again reinventing this wheel. Let's go better bad choices. Small, subtle changes Mm. in overall input is a big win. Use a very simple example, and this will tie something in that we spoke about habits. I work away a lot. I have to eat away a lot. Straight away, If I'm eating in a pub or in the hotel in the evening time, I will automatically go veg instead of chips, sauce on the side. I've just saved myself 500 calories. Easy, Mm -hmm. easy. You know, and that's a habit that's in my mind. Or if I'm working late, if I work till seven, I'll always train afterwards. I could go down to the burger. I could go down to the chip or I could go down to the hotel and get something real late at night. Or else I can go to Super Value, get myself a protein yogurt, a pack of chicken and a bit of fruit or something like that. We're too regimental in what we should be eating. Like realistically, I could have steak for my breakfast. I could have a tin of macro or I could have a bowl of porridge. Like we don't have to eat a certain way. We need to be fed with macro and micronutrients and the distribution of them can happen at any really time in the day. But we're too much following rules and regulations that don't necessarily need to be in place. Mm-hmm. Like if your boy or girl wants to have a turkey burger for breakfast, and you've made them the night before, it's an unbelievable start to the day, mm. you know, rather than having to go down the route of cereals. If you're having cereals, add protein in them. Can we make them better? How can we make them better? Just looking at the nutrients value that are coming in with, with all your meals. Yeah. But if you're looking at a child that's overweight, the reason the child is overweight is because the balance is off. The calorie input is too high. And the calorie output is too low. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's it's a difficult one as well because you don't want to make your kid feel self-conscious either, you know what I mean? 
very true, but I think we should be looking at this and talking about this from a health perspective. A child that is overweight has a significantly higher chance of developing many illnesses and ailments as they age. This is fact, okay? So if we look at it from a perspective of you caring for your child, we're not going to make them self-conscious, but we should bring the awareness to the health aspects of being overweight. And that's mm. something that an area, I believe, isn't spoke about. Mm. You know, yeah. where you might think, okay, we, we don't want to upset little Johnny here, but let's look at the bigger picture. You're doing this for the good of little Johnny to make him a healthier human being as he ages, to significantly de decrease the risk of his chances of developing diseases or illnesses. Mm. Yeah, it's it's so true, man. And the the other thing as well, it's so difficult to eat healthy in in this world because, like, the amount of billions that's thrown into like marketing and 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 like human behavior, you know, and like there's that book out. I think it's salt, sugar, and fat, or it's about that, and it's about how like these big corporations found a perfect mix of salt, sugar, and fat. To make it um, to make it addictive, you know, make certain foods addictive that makes you want to keep going back. You know what I mean? So you're you've you've developed this like reward mechanism within your brain where you go to work, you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, you're stressed out, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're lonely, and you're just like, right, I'll have a reward, I'm gonna get a bunch of cake or I'm gonna get a you know, a pizza and But for me a lot of that I think comes down to the way we eat. So a traditional Irish approach is getting up in the morning, having a coffee, having toast, having cold cereal, having orange juice, where there is a massive quantity of carbohydrate being consumed, which spikes your blood sugar. Naturally, what's going to happen? Insulin is a hormone that's going to pull that sugar out of the bloodstream into the fat cells, not necessarily create fat unless we're in a calorie surplus. But what it's going to do, it's going to drop your blood sugar too low. And when your blood sugar drops too low, cortisol is going to be released, which is a stress and cravings hormone, which makes you want to crave that response Let's go for a croissant. Let's go for a scone. Let's go for a coffee. And you repeat the consistent process. If you start to bring in protein, but all main meals and snacks, if we look at the word protein in Greek, it means of first importance, protease. Wow. So if we start to bring in protein with all main meals and snacks, your satiety levels go up significantly more. The imbalance of blood sugar dysregulation drops off and the hormonal response between ghrelin and leptin, which is your hunger and satiety hormones, drop off as well so if you were to break down your macro distribution being your macronutrients carbohydrate protein and fats nine times not nine times out of ten that's a very inaccurate statement sean a lot of the times people's carbohydrate is consumed on their own and most times the protein doesn't tend to come in until the evening time so that's when you start to get a bit fuller or you eat too fast but a lot of the times i believe that the carbohydrate overconsumption I'm not saying carbs are bad. Carbs play a very, very important role. But if you're finding that you're snacking too much or like you mentioned, that that balance is off, it's because the quantity of that produce somebody may be eating, they're not aware of. That's fascinating. So like, it's like if you had a big plate of like potatoes and veg and say meat, if you're a meat eater, you're saying like have less potatoes and more meat essentially or in the morning instead of a big bowl of cheerios have eggs precisely so i would be saying your first train of thought for all main meals and snacks is protein so let's get the protein on the plate first let's add salad or veg and then add the carbohydrate okay okay because 
again, I'm not saying carbs are bad, but let's look at carbohydrates in general. They tend to come with a lot of oil, sauces, and butters. So pasta comes with a sauce, rice comes with a sauce, bread comes with butter and multiple sauces, nine times out of 10. Chips come fried or with sauces. So if you look at the quantity of carbohydrates you're consuming, it's not just the quantity of carbohydrate, it's the quantity of additives that come with it. So if we change our approach and go, okay, if I'm having cereal, can I add protein to it? So a protein powder, a protein yogurt, whatever it might be. Can I have eggs in the morning? Could I have turkey burgers in the night before? Can I have turkey rashers? Could I have an egg on a bagel? Whatever it might be, your dinners then in the evening or your lunches, if you're having a sandwich, can we add in, like cook a joint of ham up and make your sandwiches off it. Use chicken fillets rather than slices of processed meats. The protein tent content goes significantly higher. And then you're going to reduce that satiety. Evening time, what's the first thing on my plate? Protein. Snacks. Like snacks have never been more available to be high in protein. All these protein puddings, protein yogurts, looking at it from the perspective of if I'm having fruit, can I have protein with it? What am I going to have? How am I going to chase it? When am I eating it? So being tuned into your food and planning what you're eating will substantially decrease the chances of you picking or eating poorly because you're hungry when you're going to the shops. Just on them like protein yogurts like and the protein bars and that they call in kind of sweeteners and whatever, like are they good for you as much as they're marketed like? Look, good for you could be the wrong word. Um one of the most leading brands of protein bar is going to have a lot of soya protein in there. People questioning the role of soya protein. Are you better off having a whisper, which is 150 calories mm. compared to one of these bars that has 250 calories in it? Yeah. One of the things, and they're marketed very, very well. The protein puddings and the protein yogurts, I think they play a very, very important role in regards to, okay, so if you have a protein pudding that has chocolate in it and 20 grams of protein, if you have that, is your satiety level is going to significantly increase. So you're not going to overeat more snacks then. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And I would definitely encourage my clients to look at bringing in the kind of protein yogurts. A lot of your protein yogurts are, are, are they're, they're quite good. You know what I mean? There, there's mm. not a lot of poor quality in them. Low in calories. But I do get what you're saying. Yes, there is sweetness in them. And are you better off having a Snickers than having one of your leading protein bars? A lot of it, and I'll always say it, it depends. Like if you have a Snickers and then in an hour later, you can't control your satiety because you're hungry again because your blood sugar has crashed, are you better off having the fulfillment? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Okay, so looking at it in that way. So there's kind of a couple of different ways to look at it. Like me knowing my body and how I respond to certain produce, I love crunchies. Could I have a crunchy? Yeah, I'm going to have a crunchy because I know then I'm not going to crash and have something else down the line yeah. because I know then. So it's about being aware of how your body responds to the products yeah, or the food like that you what, eat. Yeah, like what's the ripple effect of this? It's like it's like a, it's like a, a pyramid or a scale. You could say like the, the protein bar is better than the Snickers, but maybe an apple is better than the protein bar. But is the apple going to satisfy you for the day? That Exactly. Or look at it, low calorie options. So you have the likes of a purple snack, a single finger twirl a fiber one bar fiber one donut let's say you go home you're trying to be really really good and you have a fiber one bar like the tiny 99 calories and then you go ah sure look i'll have another fiber one bar because i'm starving another 99 calories and that still hasn't given you that satiety and then you go and you go i'll have half why i'm talking about a whisper is because they're only 157 calories i'll just have a half a whisper then eat the full whisper then you've consumed nearly three over 350 calories would you be better off just having the whisper on its Mm -hmm. own when you came home probably so it's all about understanding the response to how you're eating, what you're eating, when you're eating it. 
yeah and that's, okay. that makes the journey a lot better and people might go james that's a lot to think about but if your goal is to lose weight as an example and you're not losing weight the reason you're not losing weight is because your caloric input is too high why is your caloric input too high because mm. of habits or whatever it might be yeah. you know? so that sometimes that can be the importance of uh, tracking calories as well you know um just so like that you you mightn't even be aware of you know like short term you're like gosh look there's only like 20 calories in this but you have 200 of them like you know what i mean so it's like it, it, it all kind of adds up you know and i found like when i when i was cutting weight for competitions you know i used to always track calories and then I, that kind of educated me because i used to eat loads of nuts and like the, like bags and bags of them and i didn't realize the amount of calories and the nuts are great for you and you need yeah. like fats are so good for your hormones and people don't realize yeah. this like fats are incredibly fats are better than carbs in my opinion you know what i mean like they're so good for regulating your hormones and like healthy fats you know the the unsaturated fats but i didn't know that the amount of calories in them so i was, was whipping them into me until it wasn't until i started tracking my calories and like that kind of educated myself around it but like that yeah i, I totally get what you're saying that the you know, you're better off having the protein bar than, than the Snickers. And it's that whole argument as well with the kind of sweeteners versus the sugar. Is, is aspartame better than sugar? Well, yeah, because if sugar's the alternative, then the sweetener's better. Would, would you agree with that? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, this is an area that I would definitely not be um, an expert in by any shape or form. And there's a lot of variety in studies, but a friend of mine's father would be a very, very researched into this whole aspartame thing. And According to him, like you'd need to consume massive quantities of it to be become an issue. You mm. know? And if you tell me your goal is to lose weight and you tell me you want to have a Coke Zero, I'm going to let you have that. But man, do you know, now this might just be my antidotal kind of view, but man, I know, I know some people, even people I've worked with, they eat, like they drink litres of Coke Zero and Diet Coke and they're quite overweight, you know? Yeah, now, the likes of that stuff, I would definitely not be advocating you drink liters of, of, of this produce. Um, what's it going to do to appetite? What's it going to do to hormone regulation? I don't know. What I do know is that there's no calories in them. You know, like the, 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 the strenuous screening of these produce is, is quite high to be able, like the, the rules and regulations around how we market and what's put on food labels in this country is very, very good. If you claim a product is X, Y, and Z, it has to be backed up on it. So is the zero calorie drinks maintaining your weight? No. Or is it the reason you're not losing weight? No. But is having a knock-on effect of what you associate that with. Maybe you always have a Coke Zero with a Mars bar. Maybe you always have a Coke Zero with a chipper. Maybe you always have this with X, Y, and Z. I, this is just my opinion. I don't believe they're an issue in retaining weight. I think it's the habits that are associated with that lifestyle that would okay. be an issue. That's interesting, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like my my personal like opinion is like I just try and eat like like if I showed a picture of my food to a caveman and he didn't recognize it, I wouldn't eat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. I try and only eat like food that's of the earth, like you know what I mean? Yeah, um, so that's what I'd say. Did it grow on the ground? Did it grow on a tree, or was it alive? Yeah. If it was, eat it. And then there's obviously going to be a small bit of variety on it. But you're right. That's the basis of that's what we should be aiming to strive for. Like every, not every day. And everybody's not going to say, oh yeah, that's really easy to do. But like your main meals should be without doubt made of that. Mm. Unquestionable. You know? Yeah. It's, 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 it's true. And like, 
I know what you were saying earlier about like nutrition is, is like it, it 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 depends on the individual. You know, it's, it's the best the kind of diet is subjective to one person. It's not one size fits all. And like I had a mate, and he tried the vegan thing for a while, and he, he just found his le- uh, libido was really bad. And he went and he started adding eggs in, and it kind of helped a lot more. But he's vegetarian now. Like, what's your opinion on that? Or do you think it's the same? It's like it serves some people and it mightn't serve other people. Vegan? Yeah. Look, again, this is a, it's, it's a personal choice in regards to why they've gone vegan. Um, one of the biggest concerning factors with vegans is are they getting an adequate protein in? And depending on who you are and how much detail you look into the quality sources of your protein and the makeup of your amino acids, it can, it can be done. Of course it can be done, but it's, it, it's more, it can be more difficult, you know, like to, to hit that. So looking at the likes of lentils and beans and, and kidney beans and, and hummus and quinoa and nuts and seeds and looking at, into the detail of, of how we can, we, we can get it in, you know, mm. but a lot of time as well, Again, this is just a personal experience. When people go vegan, they feel so limited in choices that their overall caloric input significantly reduces, which plays a massive role in libido. Okay. Yeah, that's fascinating. So you were saying earlier like about people with digestion, digestive issues. Like When it comes down to kind of addressing digestive issues, is it an elimination process? Is it... Kind of like, right. I'm eating uh, tomatoes. I eat none of them. See how I feel. So right, I still feel my digestion's off. So maybe it's the protein yogurts and the kind yes of and no, yes and no. Realistically, so if we look at digestion, people say you are what you eat. You're not. You are what you digest, absorb, and assimilate. And if we look at absorption and assimilation, that's going to come down to the processes of digestion, both mechanical and chemical, which start in the mouth. So we create amylase and lipase, which is the enzymes to break down carbs and fats in our saliva. And then when we're chewing our food and breaking down our food, the gut is getting ready for digestion. The pancreas is releasing enzymes, the gallbladder, the liver, the parotial cells, the chief cells. Everybody's getting ready for a HCL, bile, and all these enzymes. A lot of times the processes of digestion are wrong. So they might have what's called hypochloridia, where the hydrochloric acid production is too low. There might be an issue with bile flow. There's a lot of pancreatic insufficiency where the pancreas isn't functioning, where it's not doing its job. And we're too quick then to say, oh, that causes me an irritation. I'm not going to eat it. When realistically what's happening is the whole process of digestion is dysfunctioning. If we improve your digestive function, you probably find that you can then eat pretty much what you want. To a degree, I'm not saying that's going to be for everyone. There is people with gluten and wheat and lactose intolerances there, absolutely. But a lot of intolerances are because the gut lining is broken. If you look at the gut lining, it's as skinny as one hair in your head sliced down the middle. So if you've taken a lot of over-the-counter pain medication, you've had a lot of antibiotics, you've had a lot of issues with your gut, a very good chance that gut lining is damaged. And every time you eat a certain food, it is entering the bloodstream and the body identifies that as a foreign invader and attacks and causes these irritations or responses. So what if we go down a protocol of increasing your digestive function, healing that gut lining, then we eradicate that aspect. And then people are just too quick to say, and one of the big issues people always do, gluten and dairy together, like you should never take out a couple of different food groups together because you're never going to know what's Mm. the issue. So eliminate by all means, but look at the processes. And anyone that's listening to this that suffers digestive issues, I'll give you one tip that will absolutely massively reduce digestive dysfunction. And that is slow down when you eat. 
So you don't slow down when you eat. You miss the phases of digestion in terms of you miss chemical and mechanical digestion in the mouth. You drop the food down into the gut too quickly and their processes of enzyme release, bile release, uh, HCL release isn't there. So we drop whole food unbroken down into the gut and the bad bacteria have a field day. This process of dysbiosis occurs where the bad guys feed off all this unbroken down food. So if you can do anything, eat attentively. Don't eat on your phone. Don't eat in the car. Don't eat watching TV. And don't drink lots of water when you eat. Anyone that drinks lots of water when they eat tends to eat really fast. And as a result, they drink the water to be able to get it down the throat. So slow down when you eat. Slowing down when you eat will eradicate a significantly high percentage of digestive dysfunction. It's amazing what it can do. Like that's that, that's gas. You say that. Like I, I, I am literally the Usain Bolt of eating food. Like you know, I, I always say, like remember out for food. I'm always the first one to finish the plate. And usually, man, it's because what you said, I'm not present. I'm not mindfully eating my food. I'm either thinking or sometimes I'm, I'm looking on my phone or, you know, I'm just shoveling it down. Whereas if I'm really actively, like, chew my food, take my time, smaller portions, smaller portions on the fork and the spoon, and, like, in, enjoy the meal. That's not, like, this race to get it into your system. And, like, aim for, I think it's, like, 15 chews, 20 chews. It's just slowing down, you know, one of the big things is like put the knife and fork down between bites. But as you said, being present, being present when you eat will also help you reduce the quantity of what you eat because mm-hmm. you're not just wolfing it into you. Yeah, because isn't it like that that hormone that the, the stomach releases that goes to your brain that tells you to fo- that you're full, yeah. but there's like a bit of a lag in it, there's a bit of a yeah. delay. So it's like, yeah. do you ever put the dinner on, you're starving, and you're like, I'll have a little snack, I'll have this, I'll have that. And then you're like still hungry, but then you're eating away, and then by the time the dinner is ready, you're stuffed, and you're like, I'm not making it, might as well horse it into me. Exactly, and like that's when people go real long periods of time and not eating, and then do go home and eat, and if they have to prep their food, they're eating when the food is being prepped. So a slice of toast, a bagel with jam, I have a pack of popcorn, pack of crisps, whatever. And mm. then, as you said, they wolf that wolf it into them. I'm a nightmare for eating the kids' dinner when they don't eat it. They don't finish their plate, I finish their plate. <laughs> so I don't eat my dinner now, most times until the kids' dinners are gone. Or when we were away there, we were away for two weeks in Lanzarote. Lovely. Um, and it was in one of these kind of all-you-can-eat buffet-style hotels. I would never eat until they'd finished eating. Because I would eat what they don't eat, and then I'd just get something smaller. You know, so the little things like that, when people go, no, I'm only eating 800 calories a day. Well, are you clearing your kids' plates when you're putting them away? Are you eating that? Are you eating before your meal? You know, little things like that. Well, to be aware see, of. when you go to places like that, the all-inclusive, I know you know I'm a devil for it. Like when it says buffet, I kind of fill the socks. Would you find someone that eats clean regularly that when you are exposed to like sugar or fats that you tend to kind of go a bit wild? No. <laughs> That's just me though. Look, I'm... I'm different, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I can control the way I eat okay. when I want to. If if I want to eat, I'm a, di- a nightmare for the likes of Toblerone. Put a Toblerone in front of oh, me, there's man. a danger that a lot of it will get eaten. Oh. Crunchies or large packs of the Hunky The white Put it... large packs of Hunky Dories in front of me. That's oh, getting eaten. stop, man. You remember getting the fairies over to England years ago when you get the Toblerones, man. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's an Irish thing. Every time we stay in a hotel, you know, they have the buffet breakfast and you're like, yeah. you go and have a 20 course breakfast. Like, well, know? use the example, right? So maybe because I'm used to it, I straight away, and I'll give you the last two mornings what happened to me. I went into the buffet breakfast. What's your room number? Yeah, there's my room number. Can you give us two poached eggs there? What? 
Yeah, give us two poached eggs. Two poached eggs aren't out there because scrambled eggs is you've no idea what to do. But fried eggs is out there yeah. covered in oil, sausage rashers, everything like that. I get a bowl of porridge, two poached eggs, job done. Mm. You know, it, again, it's it's habitual. Now, when I was on holidays, don't get me wrong, that's completely different. And look, go and enjoy your holidays. Everything yeah. like that. You tend to move more, but still make your choices. Get your meats on your plate first. You know, get a good bit of salad, get a bit of veg, add a bit more on. You know, that little trip to uh, veg instead of chips, sauce on the side, someone else is going to get chips that's with you. Eat a few of their chips. You know, simple little things like that. Mm, it is going to be a win. Um, do you know what the other thing is as well? I'm, I'm cutting weight this week, so I have a competition tomorrow. And uh, I, it's mad how much, it, like, you realise you eat way too much food. Like, I eat way, just in general, man, you know, like, I eat way too much food. And it's when I kind of, like, start kind of, you know, looking, like, kind of looking at my food intake and cutting weight slowly. Like, I'm, I'm water cutting. So I'm not really restricting my calories as such. I'm more kind of restricting my water intake. But I found, like, just in general, like, that when I actually become comfortable with being a bit hungry, that I'm not actually that hungry, like, you know, it's just like my my brain or, you know, like, I think, as well, as well this is my other theory is people that might be overweight, is that we just have really bad um, discipline and we just can't say no to that little monkey. I don't know if you ever read that book, The Chimp Paradox, where we have this little... The, the, the Chimp Paradox changed my life. Oh man, it's a great, amazing book that we have this little monkey in our head that just wants to eat, kill and fuck everything, like, you know what I mean? And it's like being able to say, just say no, like, you know, and be able to have that inner discipline. But one of the interesting things is evening routines compared to morning routines. Like we get up in the morning, we could have a good breakfast, we could have a good lunch, we get home, we have dinner, kids go to bed and everything goes out the window. Mm. So if we can adapt a good evening routine as well as a good morning routine, we significantly reduce the chances of overindulgence. Mm. You know? Can can you elaborate a bit on the chimp paradox just for anyone that, that's listening? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the chimp paradox, uh, is it a book that changed me overnight um, in terms of understanding reactions to situations and the thought processes associated with how you're presented with certain issues that, either the chimp is going to react to it or the human is going to react to it. For me, it was reactions to situations that were out of my control. So like controlling the controllables is something that I'm always aware of. If something's out of my control, there's no point in me getting down about it, getting irritated about it. There's simply nothing I can do about it. The controlling the chimp within you is just about learning the process. So obviously we don't have an actual chimp in our head, but a real interesting one that always stuck with me was the example of when you're going to sleep or if you wake up at night time and the thoughts that are in your mind are daunting and it's overwhelming and you're worried and you're, you feel sick about it. And then when you get up in the morning, that thought doesn't seem to be as concerning because what's happened at this point is the initial thought goes to your chimp, but your human is asleep at that point. And when you get up in the morning, the thought will go to the chimp first, but then the human comes in and goes, you know what, this is actually all right. Mm. You're just overthinking it. So looking at the different aspects of, brain so it was the obviously the chimp the human and the, the computer or the autopilot in yeah. terms of how we deal with situations i read it about i probably read it about eight years ago and on my way home we had no kids at this point i was on my way home from holidays with my wife and my machinery goes back to america to get calibrated and i was due in dublin on the friday my equipment was due to land on the monday and i was due to head to a corporate event on the Tuesday, which was massive to me, massive at this point. And 
we landed in Dublin airport and I got a notification that the machine was held up in customs. Now, if that was me two weeks ago, I would have lost the plot. And I just, I just didn't react. You know what I mean? My wife says to me, you, you are right. Like, I says, yeah, I'm glad you, she's like, but your machine's held up. And I was like, yeah, but look, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm -hmm. Like absolutely nothing I can do about it. So there's no point in me getting worked up or irritated about it. And lots of different things in life have followed with that. Not too long ago, this year, I was working up north and one of the machines I was working with went down. Like it broke. There's nothing I could do. I had to cancel like 16 tests. I felt absolutely terrible, but it wasn't my fault. I felt terrible that I had to cancel it. I just lost out on a substantial income. But again, it was out of my control. So my reaction to that situation was completely different than what it would have been. So that whole aspect of controlling the controllables, I think, is is, is absolutely vital in my overview or my my thinking process in in all aspects of life, be it yeah. business or personal. Yes, I love that man. It's, it's so true, isn't it? And to realize like the stuff that we're powerless over, just to, just accept it. Like there's nothing I can do to change this, or I'm being too hard on myself. So just to kind of say. Look, I'll accept it. And I look, yeah, that's what I love about the book as well. It gives the concept of we have this survival mind. Like our mind is built for survival. It's a problem finding machine. Like if a, a yeah. cyber tooth lion walked in here right now, I'd have no kind of, it wouldn't serve me to say, Jesus, it's, it's a lovely kind of color, isn't it? You know, straight away, I'm like, bollocks, danger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So our brain, as you said, the chimp mind wakes up first thing in the morning. Oh, the bills, the deadlines, the assignments, you know, the, the health, the this, you know, every worry just f floods the mind. You know what I mean? And then as you said, the human kind of, or the higher self comes in, you know, and being able to kind of view it. And that's why I find uh, journaling is a great tool to have because it takes everything out. Like sometimes our mind trying to process thoughts is, is like trying to get onto Facebook on the toaster, you know, it's just not a good platform, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I find like, work. yeah, and that's why my mind is just jumping from one thing to another and I'm just like anxious. Whereas if I find if we put things on paper and then I can make a list of stuff, right? What action can I take to address this worry? I can't do anything about this thing so I'll just hand that over to the universe and powerless over that this thing right this the action plan to address that you know and then to kind of write stuff down like you know what I mean rather than you know just letting it bounce around my head and, and, and worry all the time and not take any action yeah journaling for me is, is in something isn't something that I do but I know a lot of people get a, a lot of um, success in it and speak very very highly of it you know I don't know my mindset is I'm never really stressed about about really any aspect of anything in life. A lot of things don't worry me. Maybe they should. Maybe it's a, a negative thing, you know, but I'm very, very comfortable and relaxed in situations where many people wouldn't be. And I, I don't know why that is. You know, that's it. It's an outset. It's a it's a it's a mind thing. It's a, it's, it's a feeling thing, confidence thing, whatever it might be, you know. But in your line of work, it's a very valuable attribute to have because, yeah. you know, you're balancing your family life, you know, your work life, your business, your health. And you, you and while I'm talking to you here, you have this very calm demeanor about you. So mm. it's obviously it definitely serves you. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. And especially even the likes of public speaking or anything like that. There's nothing that's too daunting for me. Like people often ask me, oh, do you get starstruck with some of the athletes you work? Absolutely not. They put their pants on the same way as me and you, you know, li little things like that, that it's, it's a, it's a confidence thing. It's in a, it's a belief in my own ability to deliver the service that I'm there to do. You know, where do you think you got that mindset from? 
where did he think that might I don't know. My dad plays a big role in it. Um, he's a very confident, and we were always instilled in us to in self belief. You know what I mean? That played a massive role in my outlook. I, I know I said I spoke about it previously. Like I have no problem with somebody saying no to me. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely no. If I'm asking you to buy my service and you don't want to do it, that's fine. I don't think take don't take things too personally. It's not an arrogance, and it's it's definitely not an arrogance. I am not an arrogant person, but I am a confident person in my ability in what I do without mm. a shadow of a doubt. Where did I get it from? I don't know. Probably my upbringing in terms of knowing your your worth and not letting anyone walk all over you and okay. standing up for your beliefs, you know, and, and being not being afraid to speak up. You know, look, I speak up in places that I shouldn't speak up. It's got me in trouble growing up over the years. I'm, I'm very outspoken. If I believe something isn't right and isn't fair, I'm going to say it in any situation. And I'm also a very, very big chancer in life in regards to, I very much believe if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, I love that. You and so you, you think your dad would have played a pivotal part in where you are today? Yeah, look, and my mother, you know what I mean? I, I speak about my dad definitely, but like my, my dad was is, is great and he's an idol and he's a, he's a great friend of mine. Probably my best friend, but my mom was there with us growing up. She was the one that was there every day when we came out in school and she would have been the one that got us into sport. Like my dad wasn't into sport growing up. My mom has a, a background playing international football. All her, my granddad, my uncles, uh, she's a competitive swimmer, water polar, water polo player. She would have been the driving factor in, in the love for sport and stuff like that. But look, it has to come from both of them. I'm definitely not saying it was just my dad, but he's mm-hmm. definitely like, I remember when I speak me being a chancer, like I'll ask for money off in River Island because my missus is buying two items. She'll walk out of the shop. She's like, Sean, what are you doing? Like, I think I'm entitled to ask for these things. And I'll always remember it. And my mom and dad always speak about it. I got my first haggle when I was like nine years of age in lifestyle sports in the square. There was a black mark on a pair of Reebok classics. And I said to me, ma, I'm going to get money off them because this would have been what my dad would have done. And she said, well, anything you get off, you can keep. So I was like, all right. And I got £10 off the pair of runners. And like £10 was massive back then, my man, dad. And I'll always remember ringing me dad saying, um, you know, like this, I got £10 off, £10 off. And he was so proud. And one thing that recently happened with my own little boy. So I always say to Jake, I say, Jake, what do chancers get? And he said, chancers get more in life. I love that. (laughs) Chancers get more in life. So we went to the Lego store when it opened, yeah. And I probably shouldn't be saying this in the public. <laughs> anyway, we went to the Lego store when it was open and we were having a daddy and Jake day. So I do a daddy and Jake day once a year where I bring out my little boy and we do a full day of activity. And I said, do you want to go into the Lego store? So we went up to the Lego store and there's a big queue outside and your man goes, oh, here's a ticket. And I says, what's the ticket for? He goes, you can come in at half six. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, come in at half six. I said, it's like half 11 in the morning. I'm not waiting around till half six. So I was like, no, no, you can't get in, whatever. So I was like, yeah, I'm not having any of this shit, you know? So we kind of just stood to the side and I encouraged Jake to go into the shop. I said, just go in, just go in, just go in. So I just pushed him in and he ran in. And then I just went in after him. We skipped the queue, went in, got whatever we had to get. And when we walked out, he said, daddy, daddy, daddy. I was like, what? So I bought him his Lego, whatever. He goes, I've just joined the Chancer family, haven't I? <laughs> I was like, yes, you have, son. You've become a Chancer. And he said, Chancers get more in life. <laughs> I was like, being willing to ask. Being willing to ask for things, 
if you don't ask, you don't get, yeah. you know, and I've no problem with people asking me for anything and I'll mm. be straight up and say no or say yeah to them, you know. Well, that's a powerful mindset to have, that you're not afraid to hear no or to try no. something and fail. Because I think... And you know why I think, and sorry to put you off, I think that came from the early days of the business where I would be literally doing two to three tests a week, not getting paid, driving from one gym to the next gym to the next gym in the same day and standing in front of reception and have people just say, no, no, no. And that's fine. That's people's choice. I've absolutely no issue with that. And as you said, like, <clears throat> or as I always say, if you're not asking, you're not going to get. And there's no problem with asking. There's also no problem with somebody saying no to you. Like, absolutely no issue mm. with that. And if you say no to me, it doesn't change my opinion of you. It doesn't change my approach. It doesn't change how I'm going to deal with you as a person. That's that's the answer, and that's fine, you know. So you're you're saying essentially that your setbacks, rather than like getting you down or losing enthusiasm, that they nearly encourage you to work harder and endeavor. Yeah. Like I spoke to a, 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 a another professional within the industry only last week about this, and he said that if someone says no to him and turns down his service, he takes it real personally. It, it's not a personal thing, you know what I mean? That person or that client is not in a position to pursue the work that you want to do with them, and that's fine. You know, absolutely no problem. Mm, that's powerful, man. And yeah, I love that. Just like, you know, we were talking earlier on about habits for our kids, like like exercise habits, man. But even like the mentality habits that you said you picked up off your dad and then what your son is picking up off you. And, you know, I had Ron O'Brien on the podcast there a few weeks ago. He's like a mindfulness teacher. And, you know, he was saying if he could give one thing to his kids is to let them know they're enough, you know, that they don't have to do anything to become worthy, that just as they are is enough. And I think that's a great thing to give to a kid. You know, that you're enough as you are. Because we live in this dimension now where everyone's like getting bogged down with comparison and they're in the wrong, they feel like they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But it's that thing where like, and that's one thing I always got off my parents, it was this unconditional love that you could come home with this bleeding, shocking looking picture from second class and they stick on the fridge and like, oh, that's lovely, like, you know what I mean? And one of the things I always remember, always, 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 and it's something that I've always said to my kids now, no matter how bad you are, whatever bad you've done, is be honest with us and we'll mm, back you. Yeah. Like I was a little terror growing up with in school, with the guards, like a lot of not bad, bad stuff, but I was a, not I was out of control, but I was a, little, a bit of a terror, you know, but I always had that backing and that support of my my parents, as long as I was honest with them. Mm. And again, that self-belief and that worth that I'm trying to instill in my son and daughter now, who my daughter just started junior infants, my son started senior school in terms of first class this year. And I've spoke to them, both of them continuously over the last four to six weeks about the importance of them being them and not following the crowd and not let anyone down talk you or not let anyone downgrade you in any way, shape or form that they have the confidence to be at the level they need to be, you know, and that self-belief aspect. Yeah, I love that, man. That, that's powerful. Right, I'm going to hit you with a few quick fire questions. Yeah, we probably didn't get into anything we wanted about how never. <laughs> no, no, that's what I love about these podcasts, man. You go down the flow. Oh, do you know what? I'd actually talk to you all day. Actually, while I have you here, there's one, and we went on to nutrition. There's two things that came up I didn't get a chance to ask you about. I'm going to ask you real quick. You were talking about, like, the, you know, the menstrual cycle and how changing nutrition helped this. Can you delve into that? A bit. Look, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's this is definitely something that's individuality. Um, it's looking at quantity of calories, looking at stress, looking at sleep, looking at fat distribution. You know, as you mentioned, the role of fat in hormonal 
health is massive and cellular function it, it's 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 massive so a lot of times there's this kind of restriction of calories over increasing output of energy so the body says at this point we have no energy coming in we are not prioritizing reproductive health here so it will stop your menstrual cycle so looking at the quantity of calories that are coming in versus that are going out look at the environment that you're in in regards to stress exercise so if you're doing stressful exercise being anaerobic training you're in stress you're in a stressful job and you're restricting energy there's just a lot of stress going on there mm-hmm. and there's not enough energy coming in to keep this motor moving so to speak so it's going to start to turn things so, off so, so essentially people that are overtraining. yeah so that red syndrome relatively energy deficiency syndrome which is in females and now there's a lot of it coming in males as well where too high out not enough in and the body says you know what let's stop this reproductive we need to reproduction cycle we need to keep energy to function you know okay so it's like it affects your libido and your ability yeah. to reproduce yeah, yeah okay that's fascinating yeah yeah okay yeah and so it doesn't like and doesn't matter if you've been training a certain amount of time how long you've stopped like that 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 function has stopped and then if you go back to kind of maybe catering for your calorie needs and 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 resting a bit more that you kind of a lot pops back yeah but again it's individual because could take someone six weeks could take someone six months it could take them longer than that yeah and fat's a very important role like i've dealt with a lot of girls that have gone low fat diets where like cellular function and yeah. and every cell or hormonal response is completely deprived of, of fat, mm. you know, and the role fat plays in production of healthy, happy cellular function, you know. Mm. Yeah, I've always been, I found that as well, even uh, like doing keto diets and things like that. Like I love, I love carbs, I love my oats, but, um, you know, even eating like lots of eggs and nuts and things like that are so good for you compared to carbs. Like so you're better off eating low, high fat rather than high carb personally that's been yeah like to a degree but again remember it's demand individual caters to the demand if there's the anaerobic athletes they need glycogen if the brain is starved of glycogen are you underperforming mentally you know cognitive function awareness irritability so again individuality is okay the other question i want to ask um is nutrition again based and Essentially, I've a mate that I, I run with in a running club and he actually used to uh, train with Olympians. He was actually really good. He never got into the Olympics, but I think he has like a 15 minute, like a 5K PB, something ridiculous like that. He can move. Yeah, he's really fast, but like, he's in the 60s now. But he said years ago that their nutrition was literally like just Weedabix and things like that all, all day. Like, you know, they just have like loads of Weedabix. But he was saying like, Weedabix then compared to Weedabix now, he said there's so much chemicals and processed crap and all processed food, like, you know what I mean? Like, so Weedabix or like these healthy biscuits or I'm not going to name all these brands, but things are claimed to be healthy, but they're not. And is like, are all the, the chemicals, the pesticides, even in, in our healthy foods, are they affecting us today? And I've not got, I'm not going down some big conspiracy theory. And this is just a thing I heard. I'm, I'm not sure the source, but it's like the, the reason for like increases in diseases, in things like autism and ADHD in kids is all the chemicals and a lot of the, the crap that's in foods today compared to like 50 years ago. And and sorry, and the other and the and there's a big there's a and there's a decrease in sperm count in men over the last fifty years as well, and testosterone mm. and things like that. To be honest, I don't know. You know, and I'm going to be honest. Um, this isn't an area that I would be a specialist in in any way, shape, or form. And anything I would to say on that would just just be guessing. It's mm. it's not something that I look into. So yeah, 
Okay. Unfortunately, I don't have an answer in my mind. I heard that. I don't know if I heard it on a podcast. Could have been a Joe Rogan thing. Uh, but yeah, I just had to throw it at you. Okay, right. Quick fire questions, bro. What's the greatest advice you've ever gotten? There has to be a, a self-belief thing, doesn't it? Like, believe in yourself the, the whole time. I can't put a quote on it. I can't put a name on it. But it's that self-belief and believe in what you do and, and it will come true to you as a person. Stick to your guns, I suppose. What's What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> uh, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Worst advice I've ever got. You caught me off guard there. I don't know. I don't think I've given. Well, a lot of see the benefit of me. My mindset is a lot of people that would give me advice. I mightn't pay attention to it anyway. So okay. No, I, I don't know, man. I don't have an answer for there. I'm gonna say haggling and deal. I'm gonna I'm gonna start to figure that one out. So I'm gonna actually try and get that that feedback back. Probably something in regards to fitness. Okay. Training. I'll definitely figure it out. Right. What advice would you give to your twenty-year-old self, just starting off? Again, like if you, like twenty-year-old self, like I started my company at twenty-four. Again, it's this thing of self-belief and passion, and being willing to work and go out there and and believe in what you're doing. And if you believe in what you're doing and have that confidence, it will come across to people from the outset. And it's the belief and the drive. Work hard. Work hard and believe in what you do. Is legacy important to you? And what legacy would you like to leave behind? Is legacy important to me? It is and it isn't in regards to, like I have many, not direct paid mentors or anything like that, but I have a, a great support around me where I would be able to call on people if I need to bounce things off. And I'm at a stage now where I have numerous people within the health and wellness industry that would come to me for advice so legacy yeah it is important in regards to people speaking highly of me and speaking well of me like you said at the start there is people out there that do speak well of me but also the people that don't speak well of me i don't care about them i love that bro what's the other one i heard if what people think of you is none of your business it's none of your business and i'll give you this one mick yo i'll give you mick another shout out he said sean everybody's not gonna like you because you don't like everybody yeah, and that resonated with me. There is people in this world I don't like, so why should everybody like me? Yeah, you know what I mean. If they don't like you, as you said, that's none of your business. But th- I think that's that's the number one ingredient for unhappiness when you spend your life trying oh. to get the approval of everyone else. Like, good luck. Yeah, but that's and it's mad how we home in on the one. Like you could get a hundred comments on say your feed or whatever, and you get one negative, and you home in on the negative. Like you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What uh, what book what what book would you recommend? To our listeners. Chim Paradox. Okay. Or Who Moved My Cheese? Do you know what? I got the Chim... Yeah, I love that Who Moved My Cheese, man. I actually get... An old, an old boss recommended that book. I read it years ago. And it like it, it was that thing around fear. Uh, it, it, sorry, the one that I'm actually reading now is The Supple Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I love that. Mark Manson. Yeah. It's a yeah. great book, man. Incredible book. I love that. It's That's funny, class. Brother, I got that recently. And my brother is talking to my brother. My brother lives abroad. And I told him I got it. And he said, Sean, if there was one person on this world that doesn't give a fuck, it'd be you. Yeah. Why are you reading that? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can read a lot of these books that are how I feel. I'm reading the books going, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, you know, like atomic habits, Sean, the power habits. You, know, you, you need to give good. more of a fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe I do. I, I know, that's gas. Right, Sean, man, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you man you're a wealth of knowledge and there's so much stuff that i didn't get to cover with you and i'd, I'd literally talk to you all day 
Um, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you or user service, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so we are um, pretty strong on, on Instagram at Help Matters IRE. So do give us a follow on that. I try and do a lot of educational reels every second day and do engaging content. My number and email address are always on Instagram. Anyway, the website is myhealthmatters.ie and feel free to reach out to me. My number is on that. But Instagram is definitely the, the handle that or the, the avenue I want people to go down. I do monthly uh, video recording shoots and I know what the journey looks like for the next couple of months because it's all recorded already. So Class, um, man. jump on board, engage in our content and any questions that you want to just bounce off me. Like you follow me on Instagram, you're going to get an outbounding message personally from me that is about questioning. If you have any questions, come on to me to ask me about them. I know we didn't get into the depths of VO2 and sports performance in any way, shape or form. So if you do want me to come back in, from away from the mindset, Sean, and talk a bit more about yeah, performance. We'll, we'll have to do a sequel. You'll have to talk well, to, talk to us more about haggling as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> haggling, is, haggling is something I thoroughly enjoy. Absolutely. You'll have me. You'll have me haggling down in deals now and reduce the yeah. clear section. Yeah, I know. We, we, we let that one pass. <laughs> right, Sean, absolute gent, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Cheers, my man. Absolute pleasure.